This is exactly right. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. To, to my favorite murder. murder. That's Georgia Hardstark. That's Karen Kilgareth. And um, this is a true crime podcast mm-hmm. with some other talking in it. Lots of other talking. Mostly other talking. I mean, I don't know. I think we're about half and half, yeah. depending on the week, depending on um, globally what's happening mm. nationally. And then, of course, locally. Mm-hmm. Personally. Right. Mostly. Internally. Internally. You know, spiritually, how was your Yom Kippur? Oh, thank you for asking. It was lovely. We, we, um, lightly celebrated, you know. May I ask? And I do apologize. Oh, you're, you know, I'm not going to be able to answer whatever it is. Well, no, no, it's a light one. Okay. But is this the atonement week? Is this the atonement holiday or is that? So Rosh we just had Rosh Hashanah, which is the new year. That's the new year. Yeah. And then I'm going to tell you all about what. Yom Kippur is off the top of my head. <laughs> okay, it's weird because you're speaking kind of in a stilted way, but because it means a lot to me spiritually. Oh, I see. And so are you getting it is, emotional? You are correct, Karen. It is known as the Day of Atonement, and it's, it's actually <laughs> Karen. You might not know this, but it's the holiest of the uh, um, of day of the year in in Judaism. That's why I'm trying to keep yeah. my voice down, right? But I <laughs> thank you for. I appreciate you. Um, you know, respecting my. <laughs> Hardcore religion. Right. And um, I have nothing to atone for, so I'm not as familiar with it. Oh, that must feel good. Did you know that? I'm the only one. You're just that one person that's kind of <laughs> sin-free. Uh, yeah. Not unlike my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh, you don't yeah. know anything about him. That's no. a different... We'll talk about him on a different holiday weekend. Okay. Is it rude to call it a holiday weekend <laughs> <When> <laughs> instead <laughs> of a religious holiday? Not in America. It's not. <laughs> I'm so I'm so not Jewish that I never even took the days off of when I had a like desk job. I wouldn't even take them off work because I'd be like, they know I'm faking it. It's like faking being sick. <laughs> like you're faking being a Jew. You're not gonna be able to accuse me of faking being a Jew right. when I'm doing that privately. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's my personal life to fake. Looking back, I wish I had because, you know, I then later learned that like even reformed Jews, it's like you take the day off work to um, to honor that holiday as you see fit. It doesn't have to be you in temple praying and shit. Hell yes. It can be yeah, like I fucking take National Popcorn Day off if they let me. <laughs> Whatever it takes to get out of that building, you do it. Yep. Cash it in. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Amen. Your Lord and Savior. Over in Canada, it's Boxing Day. I like maple <laughs> syrup. I'll see you on Tuesday. Canadians love us, so we're basically Canadian. <laughs> we're, we're very similar. Get that holiday, girl. <laughs> well, thanks for asking. Absolutely. Hi. Did you find your skeleton? What? Hi. <laughs> Did you find your giant hike. skeleton? <laughs> Conversation hike. Uh, no, I 
First of all, if we I were to get that skeleton, I would absolutely give it to Katrina first because she wanted oh, it first. That's okay. Our lawyer is a fucking like Wiccan badass <laughs> witch. Like, <laughs> is she or she just has great taste yes. in dec- home decor and loves Halloween? Yes. But I sent most people saw this happen, and we've already talked about it on at least one of our podcasts. But yeah. they sell. Not anymore on at Home right. Depot because they sold out. But for $300, they had a 20-foot <laughs> skeleton you could put in your front yard. <laughs> and somebody retweeted it on Twitter. The second I put my eyes on it, something changed inside uh, me. You could liken it to a religious experience. Uh, you could liken it to love at first sight. Yeah. But I was overcome with a sense of security and a sense of that someone was going to defend me from all the terrible things in this world. And that was that 20 foot skeleton with light up blue eyes. I would like to I would like to talk to and congratulate Sue in the buying department who was like, hey, guys, I have this great idea. I found these like 10 foot fucking glow in the dark eyeball skeletons. And I thought it'd be great for Halloween. And everyone was like, that's stupid. So they sold out immediately. And she was like, what the fuck did I tell you guys? In August, I was like, buy more. Yes. Sue. Sue Sue. has been pitching this at at like the Home Depot staff meetings. And everyone's like, oh, my God, she's going to talk about the skeleton again. She's like, I, I think we need to get ready. And this year's Halloween, because it's from the scariest year we've ever had. Right. It needs to be the scariest Halloween. Over the top, Therefore, we need to go. We go big over the roof line. <laughs> we have to go. We Sue. need skeleton. Everyone skeleton drives army. a Mini Cooper. How are they even going to get it home? Well, they are <laughs> smart people. They will figure it out. They have the passion. If you're driving a Mini Cooper, you have the passion yep. of Jason Bourne. You're going to figure <laughs> out a way to get that motherfucking skeleton back to your house. And they did. And they did. And now people are taking pictures of he- people who did and sending yep. them to me. And on social Sue media. is getting a raise and we're really happy for her. <sighs> or she quit. Yeah. She was like, oh, guess, guess what weekend it is, everybody? Yom Kippur, Peace. where you guys have to fucking atone for not believing <laughs> in my skeleton idea. I got a call from Amazon and like, how about you come work here where you get fucking respected? I don't know. Where's and I pl- said, no, thank you, because there's no workers rights <laughs> or any kind of insurance. And they're evil uh, and they actually would never treat me well. <laughs> Uh, you know where I'm going? Going to Lowe's. It's black owned. It is. There you they go. Paid generously. <sighs> we always have to put politics into it. Always. We? we are just a broken. <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> we're the only. They're the only record that's playing. That's right. What's important is what have you been watching on TV lately? Okay, here we go. Well, do we first talk about the new season of Fargo? Yes. Let's do it. Season four of Fargo. We watched. There's like two eight hour episodes just to like <laughs> kick off with and then the whole time I was like wow holy shit holy shit I love it do you love it or you love it so much okay. it's beautifully constructed I the directing gets better every year uh-huh. there was a couple moves they did at the beginning not to be this much of a nerd but I was just I turned to my friend Charlie who was staying with me who also works in he actually works in movies mm-hmm. and I was like is it me or this is the director like good, right? that's good. good and he's like Oh, yeah. yeah it's yeah, so it's good. And everyone was so worried. About, I think from what I heard, Chris Rock was worrisome because he's not an actor. But I was like, they don't put people in this 
every time they put someone in it, you go, wow, I didn't know that they could act like that, you know, or they were that good of an actor or Ian McGregor could play that character. So I kind of was hoping that Chris Rock would be good. Well, yeah. And obviously he knows he has the will to succeed, but, but he's also been in a lot of like what he's not good in Grown Ups 3. Like that's okay. Totally. So I think something like this where he goes, I I had the nervousness too, because he overplays things like every stand up comic that ever does anything. It's like, watch me. (laughs) He got all eyes on me. (laughs) To me, it really felt like he was in it to win an Emmy or two because this this seriousness and the like, he's doing something and it's cool. Do you know who I am going to say that I have not seen a movie that I have not liked this person in? And I'm going to fucking say that he's like, maybe one of the greats is Jason Schwartzman. (laughs) I swear to God, name a movie that wasn't entertaining that he's been in. As much as I can't. I I think people get annoyed by him because he plays kind of an annoying character sometimes. But he's always in really good movies. And it can't just be a coincidence, you know? No, no, no. He has good taste. And he's well, because he's been like an it boy type. Right. Since because he's been in since he's a teen. And he's a Coppola. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He's Hollywood stock. He's like low key Hollywood royalty. He's always been a little bit of a comedy guy, but also a hipster guy. No, he has. He makes good decisions. And also I have to say, when I first saw him kind of acting he had his hair forward but a hat on and yeah. I was like what's happening with this hair because I didn't get what his part was yeah. and then when his hair when that hat was off and he has like the 50s gangster hair yeah it worked for me the whole situation worked. and he's like working. a like a goofball you can't t- I like I like it and then Jesse Buckley she I'm suddenly intrigued with her ever since I saw her like a month ago in um, I'm thinking of ending things which she basically plays a similar unlikable character and she you have to see her in the, and I recommend this to everybody all the time but mm-hmm. very few people listen to me on this one but the Tom Hardy FX series taboo or oh. tattoo taboo taboo Taboo. She plays oh. a woman in it, and she, so she, it's the 1700s England or early 1800s England. I can't remember. Oh, but yeah, it's so good, and she is great. She's she, it's not very the barmaid, is she? No, I'm thinking of a different uh, show. There, I know. There, I don't think there's a part. You're <laughs> thinking, thinking of Cheers. That's uh, Diane from Cheers. That's Shelley Long. Uh, very different actress. Very different era. Okay. Uh, but anyway, it's just a good thing if you're looking for something to watch and you like. If you like period pieces, yes. if you like that good old snack, Tom Hardy. Dude. It has everything. Really love it. Love her name's Amiri Crutchfield, who is like the narrator and main character. Is just I just want all her clothes and I just want to watch her and I'm. Yes, she's it's so it's what a great entertaining role she's got. That's just like I can't. It's so badass. It's so good. Also, that ending. Oh, my. And God. Now I can't remember if it was the ep- ending of the first episode or the second. When the door gets kicked in with the pie. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> when when the girl, it, the actress we were just talking about, uh-huh. the nurse. Uh huh. Is just standing in the window going, there's another episode on that's up. They put two episodes up. Shit. Okay. Is that, Ooh, so I'm the ending for of you. Yay. That's great. That's what I'm doing after this. You have the two hours of, of after this. The, the ending of episode one has such a scary, weird detail thing. That's one of my specific fears. That's very 
Ooh. very random what? fast talking oh. that thing of like the, <sighs> when the villain or the bad guy is like <laughs> like, like that fast <laughs> talk yes. almost like speaking in tongues but totally. she's clearly talking to the house or and did you catch that there was a guy standing in the street as I, the camera panned I did but okay at the, I'm gonna just uh, this is a little bit of a spoiler but we know he's in it at the end of the next episode surprise Timothy Oliphant fucking uh-uh. fade to black that's it Okay, can I tell my Timothy Oliphant story? Yeah, do I know it? Wait, how? Yes, it okay. was at a bird. It was at a a, um, a party, a fancy party everybody goes to every year. Mm-hmm. That's that I'm friends with, and my friend Tracy Gatsky was there with him because they she they worked on the um, Santa Clarita diet together. Oh, okay, so he showed up and was with my friend and me and Ca- um, a casual Timothy Oliphant plus one, no big fucking yeah, deal. They just walked up to, into our <laughs> circle of talking, and me and my friend Kevin, who used to watch Deadwood and uh-huh. like drink whiskey together and a whole, we have oh a whole god. history we just turn to each other and he's like oh my god he's coming over here right now we like like we were freaking out and then we basically were pretending to talk to each other while we eavesdropped on what he was saying to everybody sure. else and eventually you know five minutes passed and that conversation wound down and then we kind of very casually turned to the oh. group like we were going to join it again and then he looked timothy oliphant looked at kevin and i and went what are the what are you two doing over there and it was because <laughs> you were the, not maybe being casual the, probably no no not at all but also so exciting <laughs> To have direct focused attention from that man who yeah. has played some of the sexiest yet scariest, most sociopathic characters in yeah. movies, and then That's some cool of the that greatest you, like, heroes. Didn't have to pretend to ignore him in the conversation. He just no. immediately was like, "Let's, I'm talking at you. Let's do this. What are you guys doing? Yeah, exactly. It was just like, yes, thank you, sir. And then uh, conceptually, I can remember the names of actors or like in yeah. this, in private conversation, which is public, which is our job. <laughs> this is private. In reality. No, this is actually private. Is this private? <laughs> is this the one that goes out or the other one? Um, but in reality, in that situation where yeah. it's someone of his level, because I think he is a brilliant actor. I think he has nuts range. Range, but and then all the time sexy like no yeah. matter what he's doing yeah and to have to i just immediately go kind of 2d flat and just have nothing to say and can't think oh, of anything i love it i love it, it i love when it's friends just like change. just start laughing i love when friends change and i'm with them around dudes and i just want to fuck with them so hard like, like karen karen tell them about that time you no shut up. that's all it then it's just that because what it, then what are you going to do all my brain will let me do in that situation is say what the fuck are you gonna say <laughs> In this moment, that's gonna make you seem anything more interesting than the average person right. at fucking con- con- the container store. But we want to know: thing. was he tall? How tall was he? Was he was he same tall? height as everyone else in the circle. Okay, okay. Yeah, he was regular. Like all all actors right. are. It's like you turn the the size down three. <laughs> so he they're was not, not six two. They're actually <laughs> five nine or ten, which is like five nine or ten. Respect, uh, and that's what this guy was. It was just like regular, yeah, height, whatever, manly height, and um, age range kind of reedy mm. he was definitely wearing like a henley from what i remember mm. but that could also be what his costume was on mm-hmm. deadwood mm-hmm. just borrowed a lot from of, the trailer wardrobe trailer. everyone was attracted to this man in our talking circle that's all were. i have to say um, i wasn't alone well fargo reminds me of boardwalk empire a lot and i'm mm. really excited about it hated to see all those 
Jewish people get fucking mowed down as a Jewish person. That was not my favorite thing to see. How about A Wilderness of Error on FX? Did you watch that? I haven't watched it yet. Did okay. you watch it? Yes. And I was really nervous. So it's about, it's like a documentary. I don't know if Errol Morris made it, but he's definitely interviewed in it. Who is like, he wrote the book. Yes. And he's like obsessed with this case. I am so yes. obsessed with him. He is a fucking treasure. Yeah. I adore him. And the Jeffrey McDonald case, I've, I, I covered for the show once in some episodes. For the show, my favorite murder. For the show, my favorite, you might have heard of it. And so I felt like I know everything about it already. There's nothing you can tell me. There's no new details that they've uncovered, maybe. And so I was a little worried, but it's fucking good. It is fucking good. And it is like, I just forgot how crazy it is. The father-in-law, so the, the Colette, the wife who was murdered, uh, the father-in-law is the one who goes fucking nuts and originally was supporting Jeffrey McDonald saying, my son-in-law would never do this. And then he fucking, I mean, and, and it's her, it's her stepdad. It's not even like, which so you're, so you're like, what's happening? But he's so passionate. He's like, I'm going to, he devotes his life to getting this fucking guy who killed yeah. his daughter and grandchildren. And it's like hardcore, man. It's good. I I can't wait to watch it. I just, it's the kind of thing, it almost feels like end of semester final kind of thing yeah. where it's like, here's the true crime case. What do you know about it? Well, what you know is wrong. And right. then you that's wrong too. It's like one of those things where, yeah, it's just kind of de- the deepest of dives into how how these cases get fucked up, yeah. how it's the not system even about, doesn't work. To me, it's not about is he innocent or guilty because the physical evidence, he's guilty as fuck. What it is, is the trials and them trying to get justice afterwards. That is Does Errol Morris think he's guilty or innocent? I don't know. He hasn't said if he doesn't. I there's no way Aaron Morris thinks he's fucking innocent. I have no. I'm just guessing that. But like, you know, there's fibers underneath the wife's body that are clothing from that the pajamas that Jeffrey McDonald was wearing. Like, there's those things, and there's you know, everyone had a different blood type, so they know that the blood type B was in this room, and it shouldn't fucking be there because he and the children are laying on their sides, and he said he gave them fucking mouth to mouth, and why are they on their sides if that's the case? You know, it's like shit like that. That's just like, I fucking think he did it, but who knows? Yeah. I want to see it, and also just because I everything else Errol Morris makes is innovative. It's fascinating. Mm -hmm. It's all about the study of human personality. The stuff that makes us feel like weirdos. He's just like, but let's get into it. Yes. No. He's he's very good at what he does. I can't wait to watch. Okay, that goes on my list. You definitely, you guys will love it. And then Fargo episode two. Yeah. God, what else? Really missed that one. So wait a second, they released two at the beginning to get you kind of yeah like going on your binge. I think so you know how they do that where they're like the first two episodes uncut or or and whatever the fuck. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Uncensored. Suddenly, suddenly it's I'm triple the, X Fargo. <laughs> um, I finally watched the final episode of Love Fraud. Oh, yeah. dude! Right, the last okay, half hour. Spo- spoiler: Orama, obviously yeah. this entire section. But fucking Twitchy McGee over here! What the he shit? Only he. Oh, now look, this is the thing that we do. I'm going to say this in the beginning of this. Okay. This is the thing that we do okay. where we are quarter. We are um, armchair quarterbacks yeah. about th- true crime things we watch. Yeah. Our opinion is not based in science. Uh-uh. It's not based in. It's based in things I overheard my mom say around the kitchen table. Pure passionate fucking spewing out of our faces. Yes. That's uh, all. And it pure is. opinion. Yeah. And I will say this. Okay. That man uh-huh. talking to camera and only blinking with a 
one eye like a Gila monster. And calling her the wrong name multiple fucking times. <laughs> Did you notice that? Well, I thought he was Heidi, calling her Rachel. Heidi, let me t- he calls her Heidi <gasps> a couple times. He calls her the oh. wrong name a couple fucking times. In that like weird. I Could have there s- have been two there? Two documentary yeah, filmmakers. Okay, but present? why would they? Maybe. Okay, go on. <laughs> just saying. Just saying. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. But the amount you're. But you're right in what I did notice. The amount of times he used the name. Talk about a red flag. Do we ever talk about that as a red flag? If someone people uses who are trying name. to convince yes. you of something and they repeat your name over, they start in an unnecessary with your name in way. Yeah, I never say. Like they, oh, okay, Karen. Let me tell you about this thing I saw. Like, I don't need to. I'm fucking addressing mm-hmm. you. You know, I'm talking right. to you. You can feel the connection we have while we're speaking to each other. To each other, and you know when we are disengaged. Right. I think people like that don't. And also, Ooh. they're trying. They're looping you back in to Georgia. The thing I'm convincing you of, Georgia, like pinning right. you down like an insect on a piece of paper, is what he's picturing it as. Meanwhile, he's got this. He basically looked like a ghoul. He looked mm-hmm. like he was doing an impression of a cartoon of Dracula mm. with his hands kind of wrapped around and yeah. under his chin. Oh, the ch- Remember it when was- he did this with his like his fingers under his chin like weaved together like he's a fucking baby doll taking like a, fucking- a baby getting his baby picture taken totally. as a 60 f- year old man. It was just one of the weirdest. And then at the very end, how do you see this ending? He said to the interviewers, yeah. oh, what God, that, how did you get guys see this ending? Oh, he says that. Yes, that's. And then when he gets out of jail and, he, and they have footage of him with yeah. with a new lady. Oh, it's so what a it's show. so hard to watch that because you're like, how does anyone but believe yeah, in love, believe in love ever again and trust ever again, ever. How do you ever have an experience? Well, I'll say this. If you're having an experience like that where someone wants to get married and start a crab restaurant with you within three weeks, <laughs> run for the yes. fucking hills. Yes. Because what's about to hit you, you don't, you've never seen the likes of. Yeah. The problem is that you see shows like that and then you're in something with a person three months in really having a good time and going, when is the other shoe going to well, drop? Vince moved in with me three months into our relationship. So like, is that true? Yeah. Like, oh. I, I know, and I got engaged once three months into the relationship. <laughs> I shouldn't, looking back, I sh- should have questioned that one. Luckily, hey, you, you ended up doing it because you didn't marry that guy. Right. And I, and that was a bad thing to do. And he ended up being someone I wouldn't have married once I knew him for a couple of years. You know what I mean? But Vince, not so. And Vince didn't have a, ha- it wasn't like Vince moved out of his. Okay. So <laughs> it's just hard to tell when you're younger and you fall in love immediately and it's passion exciting. Just, you know. Just don't let that cloud your future judgment. So like, just don't let your checking account get involved. Yes, that's all. Yes. And if they suggest it, say no. And if, and then you can see what that reaction Even looks like. Even after Vince and I got married, our fucking checking accounts weren't, I just don't, don't need to do that. You know, it's not crucial. And also it's nice that someone believes in your dreams and wants your dreams to come true. Your crab shack. But, <laughs> but a crab restaurant, 3000 miles inland. Yeah. If they really loved you, they would have said, we're not going to open that crab shack. <laughs> Shows what you know, because it's fucking doing well. It's doing or well. Or is it? If we looked it up, it could oh, be. Oh my. COVID could I mean, really in the body of the documentary, it did great. Yeah. So the whole thing could have been fake. I will say I mean, too that Vince and I, we moved it. We moved quickly. We moved in three months into it. And then we didn't get married. We got married like three years in. So it wasn't like. Look, none of us think it's going to work yeah. out. And it's really expensive to live in L. Wait, what? <laughs> 
did not catch that. <laughs> I love that you're just you had to come back around and make your right. excuse of why it was an okay idea for you guys to get. I think whatever you did worked. Yes. I think you're okay. Yes. You're in the clear. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Finally, six years in, I can take a deep breath. You're waiting for me. What to if drop I, that what other if after shoe? this podcast is uh, episodes over, I go upstairs in the whole fucking living room and cleared out, and Vince is gone, and it was like, oh my god, he's been this whole time. There's just one light bulb, just like in the in the swinging, and Elvis is like, I tried to stop him, dude. I tried to get he him to took, take me with him. <laughs> he took. He even took the uh, what's the like Mimi? He took Mimi the roast beast. He took the roast beast. The what? He took Mimi. I'm just That's equating Mimi. it to the Grinch. Yeah, oh, I she get is it. the roast I got beast. Uh, happy Yom Kippur to me. Am I right? Uh, <laughs> this is the worst Yom Kippur in history. This Yom Kippur vacation weekend. <laughs> it's Tuesday, guys. It's um, Tuesday. What did I want to... Our good friend, um, Skip Hollingsworth, who yeah. is a true crime writer, whose stories we have used and featured and who has been on live shows with us, mm-hmm. a live show. Well, your girls are just the greatest. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so he started a new um, podcast called Tom Brown's Body. The people from Texas Monthly mm-hmm. are putting out this podcast, which is so smart of awesome. them. They have so much amazing yes. true crime content. They have had such... They've been paying great true crime writers for years and years and years, and they're having them tell their own stories. It's so cool. So uh, listen to Tom Brown's Body, um, with the, which is, I guess, the Texas Monthly Network. Wow. Um, that's If it's his story, you know it's going to yeah. be worth your time. And we've met him. He's a gem. His daughter's a gem. We met them backstage in Texas, right? In Dallas? Yeah, that's right. Outside Dallas, maybe? I can't remember which I can't one. either. I miss traveling. Okay. Um, I had... I had some news, which was pretty exciting to be um, formed by um, a listener named Zara Sheldrake, who let us know. She sent us a picture that our book is number one on Amazon in the pornography biographies section. What? How? (laughs) What are you? Where? What? (laughs) I don't know. Zara just (laughs) tweeted a picture and said, I was thinking about buying this book, but now I'm not so sure. Oh, my God. (laughs) Pornography biography? Pornography biography section. So clearly we're either getting trolled. People are being funny. Who knows? I did talk about my nipples getting pierced in it. So there's definitely a lot of smut in that book for sure. (laughs) Sure. But I feel like I'm sure Stormy Daniels has a book out that should be number one. Absolutely. I don't want to be going up against any of our sisters out there who are just trying to write their story and get the good word out. So um, put put us back in. Wasn't it like anxiety? We were in the like. Uh, self-help and anxiety section. Self-help, anxiety, and complaining. I think we, and, that's our and real celery category. juicing originally. <laughs> oh, that's right. So our paperback is paperback of Stay Sexy, Don't Get Murdered is coming out in May, and I think you can pre-order it now. Which I guess it's so far away. I don't understand books. Do you know when it's coming out in May? Twenty. I think your birthday. It's on my birthday, that's May eleventh, right. twenty twenty-one. Happy fucking birthday! And it's going to have bonus content yes. in it. And you're bonus like, what is that? Content. And you're like, well, when you find out, you're going to be stoked. You're going to... We can't see. I can't tell you. We're putting out a mini CD of songs <laughs> like this. <laughs> Timothy Oliphant is going to come <laughs> hang with us. What are you two talking about? <laughs> and we're like, what Timothy Oliphant, I don't even know. <laughs> Timothy Oliphant. 
went looking at me out of eye because you're not particularly tall or short, but you sure are fascinating. I don't even care because the tone doesn't matter to us. I think Georgia. <laughs> I, I don't mean to Do I it. see Say that it. character as your backup singer character oh. because the way you're kind of like doing some <laughs> sh- shoulder shimmies. Shimmies. But then you're also you're it's a lead part yeah. because you're that what you're singing is really telling a story. I don't know what the, who that was just now. That was Georgia two small white wine Italian white wine sparkler in cans in and I like her. Hey, hey, hey oh, Italian white wine. Hey. I'm Jason Schwartzman's oh. wife in a movie. <laughs> Can I please be? Do you know that the reason, um, one of the reasons I was late to our recording this evening is because I had to update my phone mm-hmm. because there's new a, a new set of emojis that are available now. And one of them is the Italian, uh, oh my God, fingers, um, the Italian. You're doing it right now. It's like you make your hand into a little tight little. The Italian, I think they call them the kiss fingers. Yeah, when you're Italian like, kiss. Oh, 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 hey. You can have those now. <laughs> Thank God. I've been waiting. Just an, F- just an FYI. Wait, okay. the, the fact that I ha- didn't lead with this is okay. hilarious, but it's because it's a it's a corrections corner. Oh, my God. I have never seen more corrections on anything than this one. on this one. And I I'm so I mad. heard it wrong. I heard what you meant to say. Thank you. Which is why we're the same Thank brain. The, Zoom works if you work it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was and I and I'll tell you this, that I absolutely accept people. Tweeting at me, letting me know when I make mistakes. It's a funny, but I want you to it's know it's a funny mistake. It's a really this one's a funny mistake, but I just want you to know that if you're the first person who lets me know, if I find out from you personally that that I made this mistake, any mistake, I hate you. <laughs> just so you know, so you can absolutely tell me, That's and you can so be good to know. You can try to hedge it and whatever, yeah. but I will absolutely look at your name. I will look at the avatar or whatever they call it, the icon that you use. Block. And I will emotionally block you forever. So you know who so you Kathy, were, the, Kathy the first person. The it was a guy who did it first. So Kathy and I was like, a guy. I, <laughs> <laughs> That's Robbie. Robbie. <laughs> Kathy, Kathy and Robbie. Guy. The guy who let me know this first, I was positive he was wrong. Of course wrong it was a because guy. I was, yes, of course. Because I was so, I remember doing that little speech and being so proud about running that string of words together. Well, tell everyone what it is, because I think... <laughs> I was trying to, when I was explaining the terrible Elon school story last week, or yes, to Georgia, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> you were you were just like, so the kids are in charge. And I was like, yes, it was like a private, for-profit Lord of the Rings situation. <laughs> <laughs> but I knew you meant uh, Lord, of the Lord of the Flies. And that's what I heard. That, that's thank not, God for you. But apparently that's not what you said. That's It's not what I said. And it's not what a bunch of people who love to look for mistakes heard. Because they were just like, I thought I'd simply die when I heard you say Lord of the Rings. Just which is like so stupid. But the visuals everyone was explaining was so fucking hilarious, though. Like, it got very funny when it was like, All kids for profit Lord of the Rings. You don't want to see that shit. It's ma- that's magical over there. That's not fucking gruesome and smelly. Well, it's a little smelly. It's pretty Here- smelly. I will say this. Anytime mm-hmm. when we haven't pre-agreed that we're only going to do one story and my story is nine pages long, <laughs> I try to go as fast right. as I humanly can. I should have stopped you and been like, we're only doing this one. Yeah. 
So it was just like, I was just like, no time. I, I'm sure you have something to say. No time. I have to keep going. And yeah. Anyway, now thanks everybody uh, for reminding me Those that two different uh, things. my brain is slowly turning into Swiss cheese mm-hmm. for comedy. Okay, wait, there's a new show Okay, that I have to tell you about. Okay. It's called Pottery Throwdown. Oh, and it's only on HBO Max, which is really hard to access and infuriating that they don't just make it a regular streaming channel. There's a pottery throwing competition show. Yeah, and it's British. Oh, so it's it's just like the Great British Bake Off it's baking a nine contest, nine but in it's a good a nine way, nine in such a good way. And then, but also, have you ever ever considered making pottery? Yes, like, I've I never did thought. It. Did you really? Yeah, in high school, they ha- I had fucking obviously lived in an <laughs> affluent town. Uh, <laughs> they in Irvine, shockingly, there was a pottery class and with this hippie fucking clearly stoner teacher. And Did you get to work the wheel? Yeah, you got it. Well, once you were like a junior, they let you use the wheel, and it is the. It's exactly what you think it's going to be like on Ghost. It's fucking awesome. And there's <laughs> places now around town that before COVID, uh, that you can go and throw, learn how to throw pottery. It's really fun. Yeah, and pretty easy. It not looks easy. amazing. It, it doesn't seem easy at all it's with not, the stuff they were doing. It's not easy to make basic shit, to make complicated, beautiful stuff. It's hard. But like just to make I have my mom cleaned out her storage recently and was like, here's all your pottery from high school. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, do I don't, it. I don't I want, want some. it. I know. I do. I threw a lot of it away, which I felt sad about. But I kept one thing. It's really ugly. But you is know. it an ashtray made of coiled up snakes? <laughs> That's my favorite pottery. No. That's what I can do. You can do I that. I can roll out some clay into like eight snakes and then you coil them all up and you smoke right into I them. I think we need to get you a pottery wheel for your garage just so that Karen can like go live her best life, put on a moo-moo, go out there. Hey, fuck you. You know what? Fuck you for the last three words that you just said. You said you wanted one, not a moo A caftan. I meant a caftan. And then a caftan. It's too late. You <laughs> fucked that up really badly. But you, so me living my best life is me going alone into Absolutely my garage not. in a moo Absolutely not. I'm picturing yeah. you living in Eugene, Oregon, and like atone. <laughs> atone for what you've done. I will atone by telling you Again, that Kevin Bacon follows us on Instagram. <laughs> I just want to bring some light and love, some light and love into your life. And you can't nice, get mad good. when Kevin Beautiful Bacon. Beautiful left turn. Thank you. You know what? There's nothing more uh, satisfying to a person like myself mm-hmm. who's lived in Hollywood mm-hmm. for so long, who's dreamed of Hollywood for so long, mm-hmm. who's been, who was a child of the 80s, than to have a podcast mm-hmm. that someone the likes of the great Kevin the Bacon great. listens to. The great. Or, or at least follows us on social media. Maybe he doesn't listen to the podcast. Why don't he follow? Uh, like he follows my favorite murder, which is like, I don't think you follow podcasts unless you listen to them. Maybe you follow whatever. What if he is weird? But he's married to, <laughs> he probably is, but he's married to um, Kara Sedgwick. That's right. Who seems like a sweet baby angel. Like, how could you be weird? <laughs> I mean, look, it wasn't a sincere question. <laughs> Well, listen, I'm glad we moved past that. Uh, <laughs> when you said I was going to wear a muumuu. Yeah. Did you I am see too. that there's a dog grooming uh, contest show now, too? Called, yes. Is it Top Dog? And friend of the podcast, Jess Rona from Jess Rona Grooming is one of the uh, hosts, judges. Oh, cool. And she's awesome. And she's really, really good at her job. She's a judge, probably, because the host is Matt Rogers, who's a comic. And then there's two judges, and she's one of them. And she's definitely definitely a friend of the family. 
Nice. What a family we're we're starting to build here. I like. Are you supposed to like your family? Because what a what a magical assortment <laughs> of family members that I'm not used to. This is a new <laughs> sensation completely for me. It's like I like my family. No, I like my family. Uh, really quickly. Have you watched or did we already talk about? Stop me if we've talked about this. Have you watched P Valley? P Valley down in the valley where the girls are naked. Have you? It's no. a show on Stars, I believe. It stands for Pussy Valley, no. and it's about stripper strippers in a um, a fictional town in Mississippi. <gasps> that sounds fun. It's so good. Okay, it's it so good. You have that. to see it, and because you're and such British. a fan. No, <laughs> but because you're such a fan of, uh, I think, is it called pole dancing or is it yes. like, is there's some unbelievable pole dancing Epic. in it? Like, I love that shit. The shit where they climb, one climbs up and they stand on the girl <gasps> in the middle and then the girl underneath is pretending like she's standing on upside down. That Have you ever seen not, that like, shit? That is acrobatics. That's not. It it's amazing. It's Cirque du Soleil shit. The, it's like, so crazy. Time and effort it takes and fucking, uh, what's it called when you have muscles on your stomach? Core. Or, <laughs> oh, cor- the core uh-huh. it takes to, to be able to do that is incredible. It's nuts. Yeah. It's, I it, love it's, that. And the show itself is fascinating. Yeah. And it's like, it's really good. Hardcore it's respect. P-Valley, if you're looking for... P-Valley. Uh, I'm so... Hardcore respect to this. Like, that's just... It's unbelievable. Yeah. Oh, so can we do a merch corner real quick? Please. We now have it for like a Halloween or if you're just year-round goth. Spooky or Halloween. metal. Spooky Halloween. We have spooky Elvis merch. It's this glow-in-the-dark design of Elvis as like a zombie cat, right? Would you say? Yeah, or um, he, it is a little bit like black metal. Yeah, eye makeup. Oh, we talked either about that black last... death, death dark black, uh, gothy deep hot topic metal. Exactly. Hot topic. <laughs> What's up, pockets? <laughs> what? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, so there's a t-shirt there's a three-quarter length sleeve fucking a zip-up hoodie that karen was like i don't want i want a hoodie with nothing on the back can i have a fucking for once in my life ladies okay here's the logic that i use because everyone's like no we like we like a hoodie with a design on the back and i was like great and and we do those but every once in a while a gal like me wants to wear a black sweatshirt that doesn't have a big sign that says stare at my big wide back on it <laughs> and instead what i would like uh-huh. is plain black on the back which they let me have uh-huh. on this sweatshirt and then on the front there is a glow in the dark elvis with with death metal eye makeup on and, and then it my favorite says my favorite murder the best it's a subtle goth death metal hoodie you know it's a hoodie for when you you're just running to the store but you also have a lot of heavy feelings right and you don't have to compromise on that just because you're going to the store no get this sweatshirt no. express yourself <laughs> <laughs> and also back me up that we don't always want some big old yeah. like Shinzano like, ad on the back of a sweatshirt. Like, look yes. at this thing instead of my butt or whatever. Enough. <laughs> look at this thing instead of my butt. <laughs> um, also, while you're there, we have the My Favorite Murder black and white logo pin and the My Favorite Murder Stay Sexy face mask. And both of the pro- the proceeds for both of those go to really good places. So check those out as well. But. Ooh, yes, you corner. can you can spend money on yourself and have it be going to yeah. um, great charity. Remember when your big sister said you were a selfish bitch that one time in eighth grade? <laughs> Prove her wrong, <laughs> honey. And hold on to it even tighter afterwards. 
<laughs> Shove it in her face. Buy her a fucking pin and a mask, that bitch. Yeah. Look, yeah, look who's selfish now, bitch. You just got a pin and a mask. Proceeds of which. Hate you. <laughs> uh all right, so it's my turn this week. It's your turn this week. I am excited about this one thing. Okay. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, and June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant, like perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh my God, yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could, as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant-quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of Made In products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made-in, made-in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. Georgia, do you do you feel ready to deliver um, the solo story of this week? I'm ready. Uh, it's a heavy hitter, I think for me and it'll be for you too. And a lot of people our age who I, I, I want to be like, I can't believe we haven't done this, but we haven't because it's hard because this is a case that I think for a lot of us, kind of made us into murderinos and like made us obsessed with true crime and really affected our our childhood, our lives, our parents' lives. But there's a lot of twists and turns that I kind of haven't been following because it's so hard to talk about. But this is the story of Adam Walsh. Have you not done this before? I haven't. Or have I not done this before? I checked it. Did you? Well, there was a hometown. No, 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 no. There's but I may have done it at a live show and then it just never aired. Shit. Steven? Wait, Steven, you let us know. <laughs> uh.
there was a listener. There was a listener mail. I know that happened in the in like early on, but did you do it in Florida when we were in Florida? I don't think so. I don't okay. think you guys did it at a live show. I feel like that would stick out. In episode four, you guys talk about it as part of a listener story. So that's maybe what you're thinking of. Because we definitely didn't do it in Florida because we put out all the Florida episodes. Oh, okay. Leave that. Oh, maybe leave this it's in. the oddest tool. It might be the it's oddest, oddest tool, tool aspect. I bet, I bet that's what it is. Okay. Good. Leave that all in. Amazing. This is the back. <laughs> this is the. This is the. This is the behind the scenes of my favorite murder. Is, oh my god! I think I did that one, and I have a panic attack. Here, let me do that again. Okay. Um, here's my reaction. Ooh, Thank yeah, you. That's, a classic. That's what I was that's hoping for. Like, oh, I Legendary. can't believe you're going there. Whatever. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, that's so a big one. <laughs> thank you. Um, obviously, so much information to be gathered from this. I got uh, information from a Time article by a. Olivia B. Waxman, Investigation Discovery article by Catherine Townsend, Miami Herald article by David Smiley, and then Bizarrepedia, Wikipedia, an Uproxx article by Daniel Figueroa, Palm Beach Post by David Smiley, and Arthur J. Harris. There's a podcast called True Murder with a really interesting uh, interview in it that I listened to. Before we get into how much this changed our entire fucking way of lives as people, right? Yeah. Let's talk about Adam Walsh himself. So he was born on November 14th in 1974. Um, he's six years old at this point we're talking about. He's an only child and lives in Hollywood, Florida with his parents, John and Reve Walsh. He's a typical kid in the early 80s, obsessed with baseball and Star Wars. He's described as sweet and happy, you know. At the time, I, I'm younger than him, so I always thought of him as this big kid. But now that I have nephews, I he's just a little kid, you know? He's a baby, six years he's old. A little That's baby. a baby. That's a baby. So July 27th, 1981, it's a typical summer day for Adam. He's on summer break before starting second grade. He's accompanying his mom on some errands. And around noon, they end up at the Hollywood, Florida in a mall. And uh, Reve wants to check out some lamps that were for sale on Sears at Sears. So they go into Sears and Adam spots a display in the toy department where the new Atari 2600 video games are set up for kids to try. Remember all that? The kiosk oh, yeah. was like, fucking do this. Also, Atari, when Atari came out, so I'm basically, I'm older than you guys and, you know, he's older than you and mm -hmm. so he's younger than me, but he's like right between us. You don't understand before right. video games and then when video games came out. Yes. It was the strangest, most exciting thing. And then the fact that it was like Atari at home and then and then Atari ba basically it was like Pong at home and then Atari and then Atari, like it, it just kept get going up and getting like, better. Like by huge stride. Like between Pong and Atari is a fucking it should be 50 years, but it's not. Yeah. So usually you can only play those games at like pizza arcades and shit. Pizza. Right. It's like the idea that they had a, a thing set up at Sears would be so exciting yeah. to a little kid Free. because it's there, not that many people have them. Yeah, it's a big. And also, this is just at the dawn of them realizing they should be marketing things to kids. Exactly. exactly. So it was everywhere in our culture. Yeah. yeah. And like any normal little boy, he sees this display and he's like, I want to I want to try or I want to watch like I just it doesn't matter. Like my brother would hang out the, at the fucking arcade all day. Who's basically the same age as Adam and would just watch other kids play video games. Like Absolutely. that was enough for them. You 
you know, it was Hell yeah. so exciting. Um, so there's a few older boys taking turns playing the game and Adam wants to watch. So Reve told him to stay there while she, it was like a couple aisles down. She's going to hop over a few departments over to check out the lamp. And that's a totally normal thing back then. And it doesn't seem that weird to me even now. You know, it's like, stay here, watch this video game, watch these kids. There's other kids alone playing. I'm literally three aisles over. I'll be back in 10 minutes. It's not... You, you can't judge her for that, you know, especially back then. Not at all. Not Especially not back then. Yeah. Not back then at all. In these days, because of this boy, what happens to this boy. Literally because of this. It would never happen. If you ask my sister yeah. when Nora was six, if she ever would go stay here, I'll be right back. That would have never happened. No. Primarily, like you say, because of this case. Right. While I was studying this, I text my sister and I was like, can you just ne- do me a favor and never let the kids out of your fucking sight ever again please like she's like i'm not letting him out of my sight till he's 20 period she's like got it yeah she's like no <laughs> shit georgia i love my child <laughs> parent my children okay sounds good <laughs> um so adam watches these older kids reve goes to shop and around um 12 30 or so reve finishes her shop shopping and goes back over to the atari display and when she gets there adam and the other boys are all gone and this is according to one story. If you ask other witnesses, there's a whole nother story of what actually happened. Um, she grabs a store manager and they find the security guard on duty. And the security guard tells her that an argument had broken out with the older boys over her, whose turn it was. So the security guard just kicked everyone out. It was like, is your mom here? And they were like, no. And maybe Adam was too young to speak up and a little scared. So they all got kicked out of the store onto the sidewalk where the parking lot is. Yeah. <laughs> Which is and he's six years old. He's six years old. I I think in my mind I've always been like, what the fuck is wrong with that security guard? That's so screwed up. I can't believe that happened and that never happened. Then while researching this, I find out that the security guard is a 17-year-old girl. <gasps> right? It's like that's that's the reality of it. Yes. And it almost sounds like she was a um like a a shot one of the secret shoppers looking for people stealing shit. It's not even like she's a security guard. So that person must have some huge guilt and it's clearly not her fault. Well, yeah, and also that's I doubt they're training 17-year-old security guards of any kind in any way to be handling like right. any kind of bullshit like this like that's you know and that's, and they are the way to handle it is if their parents aren't there and they can't get in trouble kick them out like that's right. what you did right um so uh by now the kids are all outside and uh, the sears parking lot and that's when they believe the older boys whose parents weren't there must have you know wandered off leaving adam outside by himself and so Reve begins searching the store for Adam she's freaking out of course she has him paged over the public address system multiple times but after more than 90 minutes searching for him and in the mall attached mall she turns up nothing so she um, has them call the Hollywood police at 1:55 p.m. Eventually, helicopter and ground searches ensue and the whole town, I mean, you know, and, and Florida. It's, I think back then these kinds of things were local. They weren't national yet. So in Hollywood and around the surrounding area, they're all freaking out. Um, but just after four days, the two dozen police officers assigned to the case had basically, quote, hit a wall. There was just nothing. Um, but then on August 11th, 
the Walshes, who are frustrated at this point with the lack of progress in the case and hoping for any leads, they decide to go on Good Morning America, which is a national show, to appeal for help. And the photo that they use of Adam, uh, which we all fucking remember and is seared in our heads. He's this adorable, freckle-faced kid. He's missing two front teeth. He's holding his baseball bat and his like little league pick. It's like the most, John says it's the most recent photo of him. So they use it. Um, and they, and anna- the photo becomes known across the country at this point. And they announce a hundred thousand dollar reward for the return of safe return of Adam. But meanwhile, and I hadn't known this that morning, John and they had gotten a call uh, while they're getting ready to go on Good Morning America at their New York hotel by from investigators letting them know that just the night before a child's severed head had been found by fishermen floating in a drainage canal off the Florida Turnpike. Uh, Horrifying. I know. So like they they had to decide if they were going to come home to ID this or are they going to go on Good Morning America and try to get more traction because they were already unhappy with how the Hollywood police department was handling the case. So they, you know, I think we're like hoping it wasn't him. Let's go on anyways, because even if it is him, then we're still going to need any tips we can get. Yeah. Um, and also, so the canal was a hundred and about 120 to 130 miles from Hollywood. So they were, I think, hoping it wasn't him. Um, so they go on the show and meanwhile, send a family friend to ID the remains. who's traumatized to this day. So sadly, the recovered remains are identified as Adams and the coroner rules that the cause of death is asphyxiation. And the state of the remains suggests Adam had died several days before the discovery of the head, most likely pretty close to when he disappeared, which we now know is pretty common for child abductions by strangers. Um, The rest of his body is never recovered. The mobilization to find uh, Adam Walsh, followed by the discovery of his murder, creates this massive fucking panic and alarm in the U.S. about stranger danger. You know, as I said, normally it was like if something happened in your county, you knew about it. Everyone panicked in the county. But outside of it, no one had ever fucking heard about this kid who went missing. It wasn't a thing. But so because, you know, uh, John and Reve were so determined and had these connections, they were able to make it national, a national story. But Adam isn't the first kid to disappear and cause panic in the American public. Two years before, another six-year-old named Eton Patz had disappeared while walking the two blocks to his school bus stop in the Soho neighborhood of Manhattan. And it was the first time his mother had ever let him walk to the school bus stop on that his own. That story is the set. Didn't you do Eton Patz or did I? I think I I think he's been in our, a, a bunch of stories we've done, but I don't think we've done. I mean, him. I, I definitely know that one because it's so, uh, again, it's another one of these very early missing child cases that went national that went and then the details of it are so incredibly tragic yeah. and just so difficult. Unbearable sadness to them, and I'll tell you what happened. I I I have him later in the story as well. But um, I think I wonder if like the fact that he was in Manhattan, which in the late seventies wasn't the safest place to be, made uh, people nationally be like, "Well, I live in a small town. I don't have to worry about stuff like that." So when the Adam Walsh goes missing from this, what was known as kind of a, a small town feel of Hollywood, people kind of paid more attention to it, which is. Super sad. You know what I mean? Uh, well, but if, is that true? Because I think it's John, it was John Walsh's connections that got him on national yeah, television. Totally. I think if the Patses could have, I'm sure they were on 
local TV, but it's like, that's an incredible connection to have that basically puts you right to the front of the line. Right. In terms of crimes like that. Absolutely. So Eton became one of the first children to be profiled on the photo, the photo on a milk carton campaign of the early 80s, which is another cause for everyone freaking out about child abductions. And the concept of stranger danger became all the rage with the idea that all adults not known to the child must be regarded as dangerous. And I watched some videos from back then of like stranger danger and like they do these fake, you know, hey, kid, want to come play ball? And it's just like absurd and weird and like not at all what really fucking happens to children for the most part. Yeah, except for the differences in the 70s, there was no regard for children staying away from adults in any way. <laughs> yeah. So basically, they had to make a flip and make it be like, hey, can you stop trusting yeah. just anyone that has a puppy that is asking for your help that like mm. all that shit candy that or wants to befriend you? I, I, I understand, but I don't think this is the same as like satanic panic right. because this was basically like we could be protecting our kids way better and people should be because you shouldn't other adults shouldn't be able to uh, like hit your kids or, right. or discipline your kids right. and it's all that kind of thing of people starting to really go oh yeah no how about I'll take care of my own yeah. kids and you don't worry about it's it. It's almost like there was an overcorrection which was okay because there was a lack of correction to begin with. Yeah, yeah. I think the overcorrection was then projecting this idea that the danger was everywhere and your children should never leave the house. Right, right. And like even not to say women or can't be predators as well, but just like, you know, the like don't trust the librarian or, you know, that kind of thing of like an overcorrection. So kids were being taken to the police station to be fingerprinted. I know Vince told me when he was a kid and they went, uh, which was like the early 80s, and they went trick-or-treating. They uh, Every kid in town then had to take their candy to the police department to be, um, uh, what's it called? Like, X-ray. X-ray to make sure, yeah. you know, there was no <laughs> drugs or whatever. And it was just like an, yeah. this panic for sure. And also I was thinking about the fact that in 1979 and 1980, the Ted Bundy's trials were going on and those were like national and huge. So people were realizing that the charming, attractive person who could easily lure women away was not, you know, was existed. He was a psychopath too. It wasn't just the fucking lurchy, creepy dudes, you know? Right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. There's the wolf in sheep's clothing everywhere. Right. Yeah. So I think people were just like suddenly stunned. So Eton's case would remain cold for decades. And meanwhile, Adam became the new poster child for activists that had started a movement in the 1970s to stop, quote, child snatchers. But those activists had focused their efforts on kids who were taken by a family member in a custody dispute or um, children who had run away from home, which is the main cause of kids going missing. In fact, a 1990 study of child abductions found that 99% of them were family related. But either way, they were frustrated by police department's sluggish responses to the case. You know, at the time, as we've talked about, there was a 72 hour waiting period before they do anything to help find the kid. Like an eight year old, a 10 year old. Yeah. He's a runaway. We can't do anything for 72 fucking hours. And once they did something, they wouldn't notify police even one town over, have any coordinated search going on. Um, and of course, we now know that if a child is actually taken by a predator, the first three to four hours are the most crucial or 24 hours to the kid's safety. 
So John and Reve did personally believe that the Hollywood Police Department botched the treatment of Adam's disappearance at first. They were fucking unhappy. And then the investigation into his murder they thought was botched as well. And John refers to them as Keystone Cops in his book, Tears of Rage, his like first book about it. And actually on August 27th, after the, the discovery of the head, Hollywood police said they are, quote, stumped. And they scaled back the investigation to two detectives uh, saying, quote, it can't go on forever. So, like, mm. clearly they're inexperienced or they're insensitive or they're not good or they just don't want to ask for the help of the FBI, which is how they get involved. Then in October of 1983... About a year and a half after Adam's disappearance, this fucking creepy drifter named Otis Toole, who we've talked about, uh, who was by then an inmate in Florida, in a Florida prison for two unrelated murders, he starts confessing to the kidnapping and murder of Adam Walsh. Uh, Otis Toole was born in 1947 and raised in Jacksonville, Florida. He reportedly had an IQ of 75. And um, by the time he confesses, Otis Toole had already been suspected of various murders along with his accomplice, Henry Lee Lucas. Uh, I highly recommend The Confession Killer on Netflix because it'll show you what a fucking farce and what a complete fuck up this entire, these two criminals, you know, it's just, it's horrifying uh, how, how many cases they were able to confess to and got away with, even though it was false confessions. So according to Tool's confession, uh, which was made, by the way, the day after the made-for-TV movie about Adam Walsh came out. Uh, so basically, he, in prison, probably saw that movie, found out any details he could about the movie, and the next day was like, oh, I did that one too. Yeah. Um, starring J- uh, Daniel J. Uh, Travanti and Joe Beth Williams. Based on Adam's kidnapping and murder, he lured, he said he lured Adam away from the mall parking lot into his white 1971 Cadillac by offering him candy and toys, blah, blah, blah. He says Adam came willingly, which you and I have seen fucking photos of Otis Tool. That guy's terrifying. There's, yeah, no, just, there's no way it wouldn't have happened. And so, and there's, he says more about it, but I'm not going to repeat it because I don't fucking believe it at all, you know? Right. It's very opportunistic. And it was that kind of thing where when he started talking, the cops that were trying to clear cases got so excited about clearing those cases that they were giving information. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, it's all in that. It's confession killers. The confession killer. It's that confession killer is mostly about Henry Lee Lucas, but it also talks about Otis Tool and they're okay. pretty similar. Okay. And I haven't I haven't seen that, but I know that that's the just, uh yeah. It's maddening. It's, crazy. it's maddening. You know, yeah, they want to clear cases. And and that and this is the like this is once everyone all the other uh police departments had realized that they were being lied to and these cases were not actually done by these criminals, like Hollywood the Hollywood, Florida police department were like the last ones to keep believing it. Yeah. So while both Tool and his sometimes lover and accomplice, Henry Lee Lucas, they were notorious at claiming guilt for murders they could not feasibly even have committed. And this is like hundreds of murders they've confessed to. Um, they would both make corroborating statements for each other or try to outdo each other. Or maybe they were trying to get into a mental institution instead of being in prison or just, you know, they'd get favors if they confessed to things. So that's why they did it. Um Tool had originally said that both he and Henry Lee Lucas were responsible for Adam's murder, that they had committed it together until 
suddenly the investigators realized that Henry Lee Lucas had been locked up during the time that Adam disappeared. It was literally impossible for him to be part of it. So then Tool changed his story, said that Henry Lee Lucas wasn't involved. They accepted it. Okay. And while investigators said that he knew details only the killer could have known, we all know now how easy it is to inadvertently feed that info for the confession. We all now know how easy it is to inadvertently feed that information so someone can confess to it. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's the same thing as like uh, in serial when they're feeding fucking Jay details of the murder Mm -hmm. and rewarding him for getting it right. So going back to the interrogation transcripts, Tool doesn't actually give any details. He doesn't give a single detail that hadn't already been made public. Um, so let's fucking clear it all up with DNA testing and, and the blood that was actually found in Otis Tool's car. There is blood on the fucking ground in the car. Let's DNA test it. Not possible because a few weeks after Tool's confession, police announced that they had lost his car uh, that had been confiscated along with the bloodstained carpet that had been cut out from the car and the machete that Otis Tool said he used to decapitate Adam. It's all missing. It's gone. There's no DNA testing to be done. Hmm. So police still spent months trying to connect him somehow with the murder and they couldn't. And a year later, after they'd already announced that they had found the killer at a press conference, they dropped tool as a a suspect completely. (laughs) Wow. Okay. So he's eventually, he eventually retracts his confession saying he had no involvement. He goes back and forth a few times. It's utter bullshit. Changes the story constantly. He's convicted of three counts of murder that are unrelated to um, Adam Walsh's murder. And he's sentenced to death, which was later commuted to life in prison. There are like, Witnesses saying placing him in the Hollywood area the days before Adam's disappearance and supposedly his car was spotted uh, at the mall around the time. Um, although that isn't that's not like corroborated until way after, you know, years later. And after his death in prison in 1996 from cirrhosis, his niece said that he had confessed to Adam's murder on his deathbed. Well, I think a lot of people believe that he did it? I'm not one of them. I'm not I either. I think so. I'm not no. either. The police are. So there's another person who has become a suspect in a lot of people's minds in recent years, which is Jeffrey Dahmer. At first, I was like, what the fuck are you talking? Like, Jeffrey Dahmer, that's bananas. But even though I'm still, I'm not totally convinced of this, the facts are really interesting. So... Um, a journalist named Arthur J. Harris discovered that Dahmer had been living in Miami in March of 1981. Uh, he had been discharged from the army due to alcoholism, and that puts him just 20 miles from Hollywood at the time of Adam's disappearance. And it turns out that Dahmer had actually been questioned for Adam's murder way back when, which is like fucking crazy, right? So when Dahmer's picture, so what happened was when Dahmer's picture was in the newspapers in 1991, when he had been arrested, you know, finally caught for all these fucking sick murders he had committed, several witnesses who uh, saw the photo, his, uh, his photo in the newspaper, who had been at the mall the day Adam had disappeared, contacted authorities and were like, that's the fucking guy I saw. They were like, remember the statement I gave you? Remember how I told you it was this person? That's fucking him. Which is hard, you know, eyewitness statements we know isn't totally reliable, but there were multiple people who did that. There's this dude named Willis Morgan, and he wrote a book called Frustrated Witness. So he was at the, um, he worked at a newspaper. It was his day off the Monday that Adam disappeared. He was at the Hollywood 
Hollywood mall in a radio shack and was approached by this creepy fucking dude, you know, who fit Dahmer's description. And he, and this guy, uh, Willis Morgan kind of tailed him to be like, this guy's creeped out and he lost him when he went into the toy department at Sears. And then a couple days later, he goes to the police to tell them like, he had seen, you know, because he works at the newspaper, he saw Adam had been kidnapped and he wanted to tell them about this fucking creepy guy he saw. And they were like, yeah, great, whatever, we'll get back to you. They never contacted him again. And one man saw, said that he saw a man fitting um, Dahmer's description throw a struggling kid into a blue van and speed off. And the blue van just keeps coming up. The day after Adam's head had been found in the canal off the turnpike. So two long haul truckers, this guy, Dennis Bubb, and another guy named Clifford uh, Ramey, they called authorities to let them know that a few days before the head had been found in the canal, they had both seen a blue van parked off that exact turnpike in the middle of the night. And the guy, Dennis Bubb, drove by first in his trucker. What is it called? A semi. Yes. Dennis Bubb uh, drove by first in his semi and he saw a guy with a flashlight down near the canal and he radioed this guy Clifford um, Ramey, who was like a mile behind him to be like, Hey, let me know if you, if you spot this van. Cause I think, you know, there's no cell phones. So like if, if this person is stranded, we'll rate, we'll CB the, you know, help or try to help him, whatever, you know, if he had mechanical problems. So Ramey said that when he was driving by, he was focusing on the van to see if he needed help. And he said he didn't notice a flat tire. The hood wasn't up. You know, and the, and the lights weren't flashing, indicating something was wrong with the van. And instead, he said he saw a white man leaning through the opening, uh, the slide door on the, on the side and fumbling around with a white bucket. And both said that they had talked to Hollywood police. They called days after the head had been found, like knowing that this might be connected. Um, and their statements were dismissed. They never, they said it has nothing to do with the case. They never got contacted again. And I listened to interviews with one of them. And I mean, he it sounds legitimate. It sounds like your dad fucking telling you what you saw. Yeah, but I mean, they didn't see anything that's actual like evidence. I mean, they saw a person down by the canal, but that c- person could have been fishing. I mean, they di- it's not like they were like, and we saw this child or we saw no. a thing. The thing I think that's the one problem. Yeah. The thing is like fishing. It was the middle of the night and it was also not a like fishing canal. I think it was just like a, you know, waste area. And the, the, t- the thing here to think about is the blue van, which is another through line with all of these people. So okay, I'll get to the blue van in a second. When authorities question Dahmer, now that he's in uh, custody in 1991, he denies everything, um, including any access to this kind of, you know, any vehicle back when he lived in Miami. And so his involvement was ruled out by police. But it turns out when this journalist named Arthur J. Harris does some digging later, he finds that Dahmer had been working uh, in Miami at a sandwich shop. And at the time, he he got this corroborated by a, f- a few employees who had worked there that there was a blue van, like a um, like a store van for deliveries that employees were allowed to take. So multiple people drove this blue van. Um, and one of the truck drivers also stated that he thought the van he saw by the side of the canal had no front passenger seat and the sandwich shop's blue van had a milk crate instead of a passenger seat. Ooh. Remember those cars that had a fucking milk crate instead of a fucking passenger seat? Yeah. Yeah. 
Remember those cars that your friends had in high school yep. that had holes where you could see the ground passing underneath the car uh-huh. and you had to make sure that you didn't <laughs> get your foot near that? I mean, like, yep. Uh, here's the thing. This is like, there's so many things like this in true crime, I feel like, and we've talked about a bunch of them too. The, the theories that want to connect big murders to other big murders. Right. And it's a, it's a thing much in the same way that the human eye sees faces in mm. wood grains. It's that thing of like, what if this is all connected? What if it's one evil? What right. if it's three evils as opposed to 500,000 evils? I totally get that. But also in the early 80s, late 70s, early 80s, lots of dudes looked like how creepy and weird Jeffrey Dahmer looked in the 90s. Totally. He had transition fucking lenses and a part down the middle. And I think. And the mustache. And the mustache. It totally could have been him, too. I mean, like, who fucking knows? Who knows? Um, And when you don't have like good evidence and good police work, then you'll never know. Yeah. I think the point, I think. I, to me, Dahmer is more, it makes more sense as a suspect than tool, but I, I don't think Dahmer actually did it. I think that it's a much simpler explanation, but I think for me, what I've learned from all this is the point is Otis tool is so not the person and the case has been closed and they said it's Otis tool. And yeah. I just don't think it is. And I think this whole thing about look how much evidence there is against fucking Dahmer. It's more than fucking Otis tool. Right. You know, if you want to clear it and right. actually have a little bit of a chain of evidence, but yeah. Okay. Anyway. And it's funny that you say that because about the, um, about the, what was not Rorschach, but the face. It's basically confirmation bias. It's when we can see faces, patterns and things. We want patterns. So there's a photo of Otis tools, like, um, floor mat in his car, the one that got lost where there's like a blood stain. And one of the, one of the detectives insists that in the blood stain, you can see, uh, the imprint of Adam's face. And it's fucking not. It's not that. You can see it if you want to. Like, I saw it. It's not what that is. And it's that confirmation bias of, see, Otis Tool did it. It's it's a fucking, you know, Virgin Mary yeah. and a piece of toast situation. Yes, right, exactly, where it's like, if it's serving your narrative, right. it's easier to see things like that. And it's easier to, uh, you know, it's this this has happened before in true crime right. where it's like suddenly there's people that are within 200 miles of another bad thing. Right. And suddenly it's like, well, you know, so and so lived there at that time. I mean, it is. It, OK, let me keep going. Um, OK. Okay, another witness, and there are a couple witnesses from that day at the mall who ID Dahmer as being at the scene of a, there's a similar child abduction attempt at a different Florida mall two weeks earlier, and there's a police sketch of the suspect that, it, it you know, like you said, it fucking could look like him, but a lot of yeah. people looked like him back then, but there are some similarities, and it's a similar type of crime of trying to abduct, abduct a children, so there's some fucking child abductor in the area at the time. Yes. Yeah, I'm sure there was a lot. And also remember one of Dahmer's M.O. when he was caught was uh, decapitation. He yeah. was found with 11 decapitated heads in his house. So yeah. that to me is like more than circumstantial a little bit. Well, right. It, it goes to an M.O. It, it like lines things up a little more logically. But um, yeah, it, it also doesn't. I mean, yeah. like it's it's so general. Totally. What's frustrating about all of it is that that like basically citizen detectives have to sit home and try to piece yeah. and puzzle piece things together 
because they're just like it's a six-year-old child's murder and mm. they didn't they just didn't do it they yeah just didn't. and we want things to be right with the world like we don't want six-year-olds to be fucking kidnapped and murdered and if they are then we want the fucking monsters brought to justice but we don't believe it's happened i mean all i it drives me it i knowing this story and knowing how he got kicked out of a sears at yeah. age six all you want is that exterior video. But it was like probably right. before the time where every store had that. It's that kind of thing where like, it's just so frustrating where how could this be? But it's like, this was back in the time where there was big old loopholes. Yeah. Well, if you believe this Dahmer theory, there isn't, Ravay never actually says she, she came back, he was gone and she found out they got kicked out. That did happen, but other there's like three witnesses who say that they, they saw a kid who uh, fit Adam's description being dragged out by a man who fit Dahmer's description. So it might actually not be what had happened, depending on what fucking theory you believe and what timeline you believe. And if you believe the witnesses who all seem like they uh, and, and the security guard, the 17 year old security guard didn't. Uh, acknowledge that it or like admit that she thought it was Adam that she kicked out until 1996 the whole time she was like I don't think Adam was with them it just it might not eat that part might not even be true some guy might so have, sorry what what is this part of a man pulling him out because I you haven't talked about that yet. yeah because it's just it's like it, if you believe it just depends on what you believe so there's a couple people who saw a you know, first there's the guy that we were talked about who saw him walk in into the toy section of the Sears. And then there's a mother who saw a creepy man trying to talk to her kids near the Atari thing. There's another man who saw um, a man, you know, dragging a kid out of uh, Sears. And the, the kid was saying, you're not my dad. But the guy was like, maybe it's just his stepdad. And of course, you said that to your stepdad. And like, someone else saw, you know, him, the man like, that throw a kid into a blue van that matched the description and never called and felt guilty about it. And someone else had almost rear-ended a blue van in the parking lot that day and he was parked illegally. Like, it almost feels like there's more evidence that says someone took him out of the store than the security guard kicking him out of the store. Oh, okay. That's the, this is the like agreed upon story is that they all got kicked out and I have no fucking way of knowing if that's true or not. It seems to not matter because all these statements were dismissed. I think another thing. So in the very beginning, uh, so there was this young man in his 20s who had lived with the Walshes as like a, you know, as like help, not help, but like took care of the kids, was like a contractor, was like a family friend and lived with the Walshes for four years. And it came out that Reve had had an affair with him. And he got kicked out like the week before he was really close with Adam. And, um, so they, they, uh, you know, focused on him as the possible kidnapper and killer, which I, I highly doubt he is. He passed lie detector tests. He had alibis. He was not the kind of person. Um, so anything, any kind of evidence of like someone at the mall that day being like, dude, I saw some creepy guy. I think back in 1981, the investigators were like, we don't fucking care. It's not him. We don't care about the van parked on the side of the fucking road and on the turnpike. That has nothing to do with this family friend having done it. Right. So there's yeah, yeah. A, there's a lot of uncorroborated witnesses and statements that now just sound like hearsay because they were never checked back then. Right.
There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com murder. And here's the important note, that promo code is all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level. That's shopify.com slash murder. Again, don't forget the code is all lowercase. Goodbye. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So the thing is that Dahmer was known for confessing to everything. So he repeatedly denied involvement in Adam's case, which the law enforcement are like, why would he lie about this one and not the other ones? He said, quote, I've told you everything, how I killed them, how I cooked them, who I ate. Why wouldn't I tell you if I did someone else? But of course, everyone knows that having killed a very young child of you know six years old would have gotten probably a ton of shit from both the inmates and the guards when he went to prison. I think that's really, there's a lot to that though. It's him basically being like, I've made these terrible confessions. Clearly, if I'm going to get it out, I'll just get it all out now. Why wouldn't I tell you? you I didn't do that. But it doesn't mean, I mean, again, I'd say it doesn't mean someone who didn't look a lot like that guy. Totally. Because it's just like, just because we recognize one person as being this really bad person doesn't mean there's not another person somewhere else in the country. (laughs) There probably is. That's really bad that look like that, you know, that also gives off like intense creep vibes where many people were like, who was that guy in Sears that day? Yeah, that's really telling. Another conspiracy with the case that you and I have talked about is that a lot of people don't think the head that was found belonged to Adam because, um, well, it is that of a young boy. It doesn't fit the description of Adam's teeth at the time. You know, he was missing both teeth. The photo of the head that they found has a tooth. I do think it is Adam. I think that maybe some decomposition had gone on and the tooth, adult tooth had ruptured. I I don't think it's, I don't think it's anyone else. Mm. It was so close. There was a child his age missing and that was found within a month. You know, it just, I can't imagine it's fucking not him. Which is so sad. But at the same time, um, it doesn't help that Arthur J. Harris, that journalist, found that the head was identified as ad- as being Adam only by a single dental filling. 
um, that he had, that Adam had on the back of his uh, mouth in the same place where a lot of kids get a filling because they chew candy or whatever. Back right molar, baby. Exactly. Those go early. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. So th- they use that and um, no one ever consulted a, a forensic dentist and his dental records are now also missing. Yeah. So there's wow. no way to tell. So let's fast forward to the future a little bit. On December 16th, 2008, Hollywood Police Chief Chad Wagner, um, who when he became police chief, had conducted an external review of the case. Well, he held a news conference with the Walshes present and he apologized to the Walshes for, quote, investigative mistakes that had transpired during the early years of the investigation. So he apologized to them. And in fact, the Walshes, um, this is so fucked up, they weren't allowed to have custody of their son's skull for 27 years because it was an open capital murder case. So they had to have an empty casket funeral. It's just horrific. But also um, at the conference, Wagner announced that they were satisfied that with the evidence, um, which is all circumstantial at this point, and according to Willis Morgan, based only on retired Miami Beach Detective Sergeant Joe Matthews, allegedly bias research in which he doesn't Uh, contact any of the witnesses from the Hollywood Mall. He does this huge research project, but doesn't talk to any witnesses. And that's what they use to confirm that they think that Otis Tool is the murderer. Period. And the case is fucking closed. That's it. Yeah. So basically, the easiest way possible. Right. And to do the actual footwork. Yeah. There's no DNA to test. (sighs) Okay. Both Walsh parents, though, believe that Otis Tool is the murderer of their son, which I think does lend a lot of like they they can't just want to close the case i mean i'm sure they do but they wouldn't just fucking who the fuck knows you know it's hard to question these two grieving parents well also they might have learned or known something that that never got out they might be insight they might have insight that we don't have like especially after all this time who knows who knows yeah I feel like to me, that's the biggest, like the thing that convinces me most, if anything, that he did it is that they believe it more than anything else. So, of course, this case being so highly publicized changed the way parents kept track of their kids. Um, this guy, Richard Moran, who's a criminologist at Mount Holyoke College, said that Adam's case, quote, created a nation of petrified kids and paranoid parents. Um, but meanwhile, the Walsh's channeled their incredible grief into a lifetime of child advocacy. There's the thought of how much grief they went through and how much grief they go through every time they choose to show up and discuss their son's murder. It's not like they were like, we don't want to talk about this anymore. We want to move on. They're like, let's fucking keep this here for almost 40 years. So just four days after their son's funeral, Adam's parents started the Adam Walsh Outreach Center for Missing Children. They also lobbied for the Missing Children's Act, which enacted in 1982, required entry of missing children into the FBI's National Crime Center database, the NCIC. Like there was no national fucking list of missing children at the time. Right. It's just fucking willy nilly. Yeah. Um, In 1984, the Walsh's co-founded an organization to aid and comfort other families of missing children called the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, which makes so much sense. You think of all the grief and horror the fucking parents who are missing their kid is going through. They need someone to advocate for them. And 
now they have a group to do that. It's so important. And in 1988, John Walsh began hosting the TV show America's Most Wanted, um, which the FBI credits for helping capture at least 17 of their 10 most wanted fugitives, and which I, I wrote turned an entire generation of kids into murderinos while scaring the ever loving shit out of us and convincing us we were constantly about to be kidnapped. And so we all memorized the hotline number. So now in 1983, when that made-for-TV movie premiered, where that Otis Tool had probably seen, 38 million viewers watched it on its first airing. And each time it aired, the show was followed by pictures and descriptions of miss actual missing children. And a hotline was created to take calls regarding those kids. And ultimately, 13 of the 55 children shown in the, in the original broadcast were located. Wow. Yeah. Including Bone Thugs and Harmony rapper Busy Bone... Busy Bone was missing? <laughs> Busy Bone in 1980, at four years old, he and his two sisters had been abducted by their mother's boyfriend. And his missing photo was one of those shown. And it was recognized by a, a neighbor. And they were reunited with their fucking mother. Oh, my God. And I wrote... Thank God. I know. I wrote, if pub quizzes ever exist again, you got to remember this fucking fact. But also, that's so dark. and So dark. Yeah, that would have been just like a, I mean, that's, that's, that's the other thing too. And you said this in the beginning, but it's most, uh, kidnapped children. It's family related. It's almost the entire majority. That doesn't mean right. that the person that took that child just because they're blood related isn't a scary, threatening, awful person yeah. or, or vice versa where they're, they accuse the mother of kidnapping the children, but actually they're trying to get out of a domestic exactly. abuse situation. So that's busy bone. You said 13 kids were were recovered. And how many had they shown? 13. So the first, there was three showings of the show. And so in the first showing, they showed different children every time, every showing. And so the first one, uh, they showed 55 children and 13 of them were recovered. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So in 1994, big box and department stores began implementing Code Adam, which was used to mobilize all store clerks when a child is reported missing in the store. Because back then, when he went missing in Sears, they were like, what the fuck do you want us to do? We can't do another, you know, they kept doing announcements over the PA system, but they were like, we can't keep doing, you know, nobody fucking yeah. cared or knew. There was no process set up where it's like uh, the the entire store goes on lockdown. Yeah. Which is what they do now. Right. So I got, I looked up, of course, in our email and uh, a murderer named, named Carrie sent a hometown in and she said, I started working at a retailer who adopted this code as a teenager. And in our training, we learned that when code Adam blasts over the intercom, all associates stop what they're doing and head to the nearest exit to stop any child from exiting the building or anyone leaving with a child. Uh, she says, I still get teary eyed thinking about why this was put into place, but I'm very grateful for it. In the four years I worked there, it was Target, we stopped two, quote, almost abductions and countless little ones from walking right out the front automated doors to possibly be never seen again, which is amazing. In 2003, Congress actually made it mandatory for all federal buildings to have Code Adam programs in effect. Um, in 2006, the U.S. Congress passed the Adam Walsh Child Protection and Safety Act, a bill which institutes a national database of convicted child molesters and increases penalties for sexual and violent offenses against children. And as for Eton Pats, 
his uh, disappearance in New York was cold for decades, but his case was reopened in 2010. And eventually his killer, who is a man named Pedro Hernandez, was found and he confessed. And on February 14th, 2017, a jury found him guilty of murder and kidnapping. Um, and at the time of Eton's disappearance, it turns out that Hernandez was an 18-year-old convenience store worker in a neighborhood bodega where it's thought that Eton had stopped on his walk to the bus stop for a soda. Um, and Hernandez was sentenced to 25 years to life in prison. So next July will mark 40 years since Adam Walsh was abducted. Um, um, I know it's 40 fucking years. 40 years. 40 yeah. years. John and Reve are still married. They had three children after Adam's tragic murder. So John is now in his 70s and he hosts, along with his son, Callahan, investigation discoveries in pursuit with John Walsh. So they're still Nice. Trying to catch oh, yeah, that's the bad great. guy. And yeah. Ca Callahan said, quote, I watched my parents channel their emotion and their anger and their energy to make sure that there was a response mechanism for missing children because there was very little help at the time. I watched my father go on to capture fugitive after fugitive on America's Most Wanted. They never gave up hope. They never gave up on the fight. So I'm here following in their footsteps. Huge, huge shoes to fill, but trying to fight back in Adam's honor. And that nice. is the disappearance and murder of Adam Walsh. God. I know. I know. So old. So old and deep. Yeah. Deep, deep, And deep. also just terribly, terribly mishandled. And so incredibly kind of unsatisfying in terms of discussing it as a case. Yeah. Because it's just like, and now we get where I'll talk you all the way up to this point And then we hit a wall. Yeah. And now we're now this is theory. And now this is I mean, that idea where you're talking about there's witness statements saying mm. a young child was being dragged out of the store that there were it sounded like more than one person. I don't it didn't sound like a ton. But I saw a creepy guy that day. There was a there was a, a attempted abduction one town over. Here's his sketch. Like, yeah, do something. All that like all of that should have been. You know, yeah. It, yeah, it's just so frustrating. It's funny because I was going to say I have that same frustration when you're when basically this feels like a cold case that isn't a cold yes. case, but it is a cold case knowing Otis Tool, fucking tool. confessed to hundreds and hundreds of murders he had nothing to do with like that. I, it's just so embarrassing. It's just so. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's just frustrating. And there's the question of like, is the evidence missing because they wanted to pin it on him and so they just happen to not have it because it would prove otherwise? Or, I mean, in 1989, did, you know, some fucking rookie officer like steal the machete to show to his drinking buddies? And did someone steal the like, you know, did I mean, that's like the fun times, right? You know, direction you could take it. But all those big pieces of evidence missing is is at the very least you doing your job terribly yeah. and and then at the most a fucking conspiracy yeah the coroner sure not there's signing no off. hard evidence right the yeah. coroner not signing off on having received the dental fucking exam and you know but what's that like what and i told you about like uh how he had uh adam had been id'd as this the head that was found based on the dental exam that's gone you know the like coroner oh, never actually signed off on a true autopsy it was like a visual autopsy not an actual autopsy you know it's just shit like that that just 
you want to blame it on 1981, but that's they're not fucking stupid people. It's like they were a little. Yeah, there were processes in place yeah, that you were supposed to and be they're following. Very similar to the ones we have now. They're not that fucking yeah. different. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it is. It is. It, it is. It's Should just we? a big question mark. And it's that, you know, like I, yes, I, I understand the appeal of the Dahmer theory. Yeah. Yeah. If, yeah. I bet if you were in Florida right now, you could walk out on the sidewalk and see like two dudes that look like <laughs> Jeffrey Dahmer. I mean, I think it's a look. Yeah. I bet you could look at the chair right on the couch and fucking look uh, at someone who looks like Jeffrey Dahmer. Look at why you got those. How come your transition <laughs> lenses are gray again? I know you think yeah, those but- are in style now, but <laughs> I know your members only jacket, your tan members only jackets like cool. But I know you're all about convenience, but like question if your boyfriend thinks it's cool to, to dress like a fucking serial killer. Every time. Should we do some, uh, home, a couple hometowns just to <laughs> lighten a the A couple mood? fucking hoorays? Oops, yeah. I'm sorry. A couple fucking hoorays. Okay, here's my first one. This is from Olo oh, You Didn't. <laughs> a former patient born extremely premature, weighing only a pound, <laughs> just celebrated their first birthday. <laughs> fucking hooray for preemies, the strongest and most resilient humans ever. That's beautiful. Wow. Nice. That's so beautiful. Um, this one's on Instagram from AWHN84. My fucking hooray this week is that on Sunday, I got to help Burke County Rescue Squad rescue a dog stranded in a 30-inch sinkhole in, in Pigs Pisgah National Forest, Western North Carolina. We built a hull system and lowered a rescuer and a big bag of beef jerky down the hole. And he calmed the dog and made a harness for him so we could haul him out of the hole. We don't know how long he was down there, but as of today, he is healthy and doing well. And then she writes, plug to support volunteer search and rescue organizations. (laughs) They work hard to get lost and injured folks and pups out of the wilderness safely. Nice. Oh, a dog in a hole. A dog in a sinkhole. They got him. This one is from Amanda Christine Rose, and it just says, I'm staying in a treehouse this weekend. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) That's the whole thing. But it's that kind of sounds fun. It's because she's going to stay the whole weekend. That's awesome. That's needed. (laughs) Amanda, write back and let us know how your treehouse is going. I'd like to see some pics. I realized, Vince and I realized that we haven't spent one night away from our house in 2020. And so we're staying in a like cabin next week. And I'm so excited. Perfect. That's good. Little change of pace. This is from Kelly Reichhart underscore art. And it just says leaving hospital today after breast cancer surgery. Fucking hooray. Fucking hooray, girl. Hell yeah, Kelly. Congratulations. You did it. Envision. Envision (laughs) big shields in front of you mm. of strength and throw some pottery fortitude. get a mumu and throw some pottery <laughs> for relaxation okay my last one's from tara loves tea and it says i met my current boyfriend because i started going on walks around my neighborhood <gasps> due to covid and he is my neighbor <gasps> we've never talked until i saw him leaving for work every morning <gasps> we connected and are now moving into a house together next month Tara loves tea. What if in the oh, out there? What if in the beginning of this episode we're like, don't move into with someone when after only three months she's like, shit, 
Delete, delete, delete. Oh my God, it's the perfect ending. <laughs> where we're like, girl, you go for it. He's probably the best. <laughs> He's definitely never been on love fraud, but just please, please watch that documentary. Google before. his ass. <laughs> oh my God, that's so cute. She started I going still to walks. I still believe in love. I still believe. I, still I know that's believe. the cutest. What if you're like, you're you're out there and you're wearing your um, sweatshirt with the thumb holes that keeps it pulled yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. You're doing your walks. Mm. You're being very taking care of yourself. Mm -hmm. And here comes a wonderful professional man leaving every morning Mm. for work Mm. during quarantine. Where do you work, sir? Hopefully outside. Hopefully you're (laughs) a park. You're a landscaper. Uh But she sees some Hawkeye leaving for work every day. Mm -hmm. Now it's love. And thank God she's like, thank God I wore my mask that says, ask me about how cool I am. Because he's like, hey. How cool are you? <laughs> and then he was like, ask me about I'm single. And he was like, hey, are you single? You're, I'm sorry, your landscape company is called Ask Me If I'm Single? Okay, I guess like, that's the way you get. All right. I mean, who are we to judge? We're just. Who are we? Who are here. we to judge? I got, Nobody. I, I bought roller skates on a fucking whim today. I mean, what? Are they your fucking hooray? Yeah, that's my fucking hooray. I. I bought roller skates as a 40 year old woman. Who fucking cares? Where are you going to, where do you, where might you skate? I'm going to, I'm going to really awkwardly tight skate walk in front of my garage until I'm not (laughs) terrified of skating. (laughs) Like an old lady. (laughs) And then you have to turn out like nine feet later. You have to turn around. And I'm going to meet my neighbors and it's going to say, ask me about how cool I am. (laughs) (laughs) And you're going to get, oh my God, all these marriage proposals. But here comes Vince. Comes in. Once again, proving that letting him move in was a good idea. Turns out he didn't steal all our furniture and Mimi. He was just uh, cleaning, getting it all cleaned at the cleaners. And now we have a lovely house. It's all fine. What's your fucking hooray? Everything's fine. Well, my fucking hooray is that my friend Charlie just came to stay with me because he was he had to quarantine before he started a movie job. Mm. And we had it was hilarious. It was so fun. And we were so lazy. It was like we were just justifying each other's worst habits. And it was really relaxing. And I realized like in COVID, I'm having a lot of weird reactions to things that aren't that big, Mm. that feel very big. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to. It, it's hard to keep things right sized where it's like, it's just business. Nothing's going to yeah. happen right now, but like, it feels like, Oh, this is it. We're done for. There's <laughs> a lot, a lot of those kind of things. And when there's one other person in the room yeah. to just go, is it me or is this person a total asshole? And they're like, no, no, you're completely right. That's all you need. Are you talking about me? So, well, sometimes it just depended <laughs> on what we were talking about. Look, the topic hey, changed can I just, from night to night. You know what I just decided? He was here for, you know what I decided? He's here for. What? I'm com- Vince and I are coming over on Sunday to distance hang with you. Fucking to my house? Period. Yeah. You don't even, if you're not Get there, over here. Fine. We're coming on Sunday. <laughs> you and I here. have not spent enough FaceTime together and it's crapping. No, you're right. Please do. I would love it. Okay. It helps. It's so nice because look, I can, I, I'm very good at being with myself and I, you know, sure. don't get like <laughs> fraught, but it really is like what you're saying. Just sit like you and me and Vince standing in the pool, yeah. eight feet away from each other, yeah. gabbing it up. Yeah. It's like, it's bomb for the soul. It's a, it's fucking ask me about how cool I am time. And it's going to crash. Look, you're both going to try to ask me to marry you. I'm going to call the police on you because it's illegal. What if it says, ask us if we're single? And it's like, hey, guys. Hey, you guys. guys. This is uncomfortable. First of all, I need to get I don't need to ask you. I know you're not. 
<laughs> Your mask doesn't make you not single, guys. Oh, That's no. the thing. Um, <laughs> Ask me if I'm single. Guys, thanks for listening. We hope you're fucking... We hope you're living your best quarantine life, whatever that means for you. All right, guys. We were tr- we were trying to say goodbye, but now we really are saying <laughs> yeah. goodbye. Yeah. So... Uh, stay healthy, stay indoors, wear a mask, and stay sexy. And don't get murdered. Goodbye! Yeah. Elvis, do you want a cookie? <laughs>